From Born in the USA to Death to My Hometown, this is You Spring and Springsteen on My Bean, the comprehensive and encyclopedic compendium of all things The Boss. This is good yeah, rock boss. and roll music. Boss! What if people start screaming boss at him instead of Bruce? Boss! <laughs> boss! What if they start screaming Bosch? Bosch! <laughs> Have you fallen into Bosch? I, to be quite frank, if I may be frank, I watched the first pilot, uh, as they call it. Why do they call it a pilot? Were, was there the more than one pilot? Uh, I was going to say first episode, but okay. then I correct. Then say that. I watched the first episode. Thank you. Of Bosch. Why do they call it a pilot, Adam? Well, uh, it comes from. You've been in many failed ones. Tell sure. me. <laughs> Tell I me. have been in so many failed. <laughs> and some that should have been failed and instead went to series. I remember I was in one when uh, Tall John Schrader was working at the WB and it was right. a pilot for the WB. <laughs> and it was all I could do from like pressing him for information and he i'm sure he had no clue because tall john at the time along with doug benson worked in the promos department exactly <laughs> there's nothing he's no. not he's i mean maybe he's occasionally running into someone who makes that kind of decision no. but but, but uh, back then it was like i'm in this pilot and if it gets picked up to series my entire life yes would change monetarily you'd still be a dumb piece of shit I'd be, I'd be a dumb piece of shit but i would be on a tv show but you know back then it was just so different but yes. if you're on a tv show that actually becomes a hit it's like you're at least from my perspective and i didn't really know anything i was made like i would i remember i was on a pilot that did get picked up and then they ended up firing all of us. But in that period of time between when it was picked up and before we all got fired, I was remember I remember discussing with a friend which which part of Malibu I would want to live in. <laughs> and I was like the eighth lead on this like court show. I you were having discussions of like, wow, so uh, pretty soon I'm not going to be able to walk down the street without everyone yeah. looking at me. It's been quite a ride. It's been a rough <laughs> like seven years, but I finally made it. Oh, that's so funny. And uh, do you remember what the show was about? Or yeah, it was about the Supreme Court. <laughs> it was called the Court. Okay, Sally. Was Field. it wait? Was it a, a drama? It was a drama. Hour-long drama. Wow. Yep. Sally Field. Sally Field. The pedigree on this pie. Uh, yeah, it was amazing. Sally Field was the lead of it, and it just got like retooled. I remember I went and visited the set. They had all the sets built. It was this incredible thing. We were about to start shooting, and it was like September 9th, 2001, when mm. I went and checked out the set and everything. And so after 9-11, everything was put on hold, and then like a month and a half later, they were like, yeah, let's just get rid of everybody. <laughs> they started over, and then it, I don't think the I, show I'm sure that, uh, much like the Spider Man movie that came out after that, like everything had to be more patriotic after that. So maybe I'm sure, so, yeah. I'm sure a, a show about the Supreme Court at the time, which was maybe more of a scathing, like, look at it or something like this, they're like, uh oh, yeah. can't do this anymore. Well, I also remember doing and they research. probably put Spider Man in it too. Yeah, Spider Man was the. <laughs> The uh, third lead. The, what's it? What's the uh, the 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 head of the Supreme? The Chief Justice. Chief Justice yeah. was Spider Man. Yeah, which is a number three great on joke the call sheet. A nice long walk. <laughs> uh, 
No, I remember Peter Parker's number two on the call sheet. And who's who's that? And then the Spider-Man guy. That's right. Spider-Man was number <laughs> number nine. Um the I remember reading a book about the Supreme Court getting ready <laughs> One to book. shoot it. And the the Scott Tarot book. And, and apparently the 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 term chief justice was not in that book yeah. anywhere. <laughs> this was like 22 years ago. Oh, you um, don't have a photographic memory? I am do I look like Mary Lou Henner? Just kidding. <laughs> you sort of do in the sense of like you're very sexy. Thank you. <laughs> um anyway, I remember reading this book and thinking, wow, the Supreme Court, a show about the Supreme Court would be super boring. I wonder how they're gonna do this. <laughs> and lo and behold, I never actually never saw did. the show they, they made, but I God, think it's I a got, tough I subject. Gotta see that. It's a it's a tough subject because uh, then you toiled in obscurity for many, many years after that. Yes, indeed. Uh and uh then uh, got on to a show after the pilot process. We can talk about it now, of course. You were on a little show called Parks and oh, Recreation. Doesn't it feel good to finally just say it out loud? <laughs> to say Parks and Recreation yeah. out loud? Haven't you been wanting to say that out loud now? <laughs> I've said park a lot. Oh, I've, me too. I've said, hey, do you want to go to the park? Do you want to go to several parks? If you drive by a park, do you ever say, hey, look at that park? Occasionally, I'll yeah. say, oh, you missed it. You didn't see that park. Or... uh would you mind parking my car, sir? <laughs> Would you mind if I pay you? Yeah, if I a, pay a you small dollars. fee. And that was how valets were invented. That's the right. first time I ever asked that. You, Scott Ackerman, asking mm -hmm. someone if someone would. I was a pioneer in that regard because a lot, uh, man, back in the day, you had to park. First of all, there was the Thomas Guide. Uh, and then you had to park your car yourself. And the Thomas Guide, they also had another Thomas Guide just for parking spaces. Yeah. And then uh, one day I just, uh, I went to the Sony lot and I was like, bro, park my car, park my car. And it was, that person was Adam Sandler. Wow. Yeah. That's the beginning. So you invented it. Um, I invented it. Yeah. And then he, Sandler was like, park, huh? Drive? Happy Gilmore. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. And that was how he connect. came up with, yeah, the, wow. the movie. And Happy the rest Gilmore. is history. <laughs> Herstory, but yes. Herstory. Um, yeah, but we, we alluded to it, but, uh, strike is over, baby. So guess what? Bruce hit us up. Yeah. Now, now if we have Bruce in here to talk, we can talk about all our projects. Yeah. We can talk about everything that he's made for the AMPTP. Yep. Things like. Uh, well, little movie called Philadelphia, which we couldn't mention before. Uh, we probably not. did, though. Uh, yeah, I'm sure we mentioned. But uh, I, that's the thing. Bruce is not one of those guys who's going around making cameos in in movies. You know, like Alice should, Cooper in Wayne's World. He should have been in Happy Gilmore. He, should, he really should have been in Happy Gilmore. If, if anything. Happy Gilmore. Yeah. Yeah. And it would be easy. Like we buy could, him a golf club, yeah, stick could, it in his we hand. We could slot him in yeah. right now. We could do the director's cut of Happy Gilmore. Yes. And when we say directors, us. Us. <laughs> Directing. Our director's cut of a 25-year-old movie. <laughs> um, but yeah, Bruce, hit us up. We can, uh, I know you probably were a little intimidated um, yeah. by the fact that, um, you know, we're big Hollywood stars and you were like, man, during a strike. I'm not going to have anything to talk about with them because they won't be able to talk about their myriad of projects. Yeah. 
Well, that's all freed up now. We can talk about all freed up. We, you, we have to get this going because we're on episode. I think this is episode uh, three, twelve or yeah, something of 12. this, and nary a call, nary a text. Well, I think among other things, he was respecting the strike. It wasn't just, you know. He probably didn't even know how it worked, right? I mean, yes, he was freaked out, but he yeah. was also respecting the <laughs> distance we need to keep from. Exactly. And he knew that we were out there picketing every day yeah. and was like, I don't want to bother them when they're holding up signs. That's exactly right. And uh, But hey, we've put the signs down. I'll, I'll, I'll still hold a sign every once in a while. I like holding a sign. Do you have those sign blisters? Oh my god! Ugh. Uh, From uh, it's a bummer. Uh, and the splinters. Oh yeah. Between the blisters and the splinters. You know, we're out there picketing. They don't have time to sand every single sign handle. No, they do every other one. Every other one. And guess which one we always get? The one with all the little pricklies. Yeah, and sometimes they'll make our the the picket signs. Out of uh, uh, rose vines too, with all yeah, the thorns really and stuff. Painful. It's just like, come on, guys! Instead of Edward Scissorhands, I was Edward Splinterhands over there on the. <laughs> just kidding. Please say you're kidding. I'm totally kidding. Then why are you wearing the white makeup and the crazy black hair? Because I love it. <laughs> I just like dressing up. Yes. Um, what were you for Halloween this year, by the way? I was a lone, lonesome father. <laughs> <laughs> with boxer briefs we, and a t-shirt and a remote control. <laughs> yeah. Th- uh, they're teenagers, so they just leave. Uh, right. You know. Yeah. No, we just hung out. We, I think we got two trick-or-treaters. What about you? What? Are, oh, you guys dressed up. What, we what dressed you... up. We were Kulop uh, 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 and, and our little one were both Red Riding's hood. That's right. And you were the wolf. How do you pluralize that? Red Riding's Red's hood? Red's Riding hood. Red's Riding's hoods. Um, and I was the wolf dressed up like grandma. Oh, so you had a like a a, a bonnet and a wolf mask. I yeah. Let's I walk had, through. I it. had at least one bonnet. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, I didn't. I didn't do the mask. I, I in fact. And how I, did you indicate that you were a wolf? I just went around kind of telling everyone I'm a wolf. I'm a wolf. Don't worry I'm about me. I'm not just a grandma. I'm not just. I'm and by the way, it wasn't really like a nighty or anything like that. It was like a negligee. Ah, so you had a nice little number on? <laughs> yeah, you know, but uh, nice latex. Oh. Kind of bustier. But I was like, no, I'm the gr- I'm, a wolf. I'm a wolf dressed up like granny. This is a granny outfit, <laughs> and I'm a wolf. <laughs> and no, I'm I'm here at this dominatrix club. Yeah. Just trick-or-treating. It's Halloween. <laughs> Again, I'm a wolf. And would you mind delivering this candy up my ass? Yeah. <laughs> This is just for Halloween. This is a Halloween thing. This is a grandmother's outfit. <laughs> um, but yeah, Bruce, come on, give us a call. You want to be on this show, right? <laughs> Isn't this exactly what you need in your career? Um, I'll, I, I, uh, I, Bruce has a, a ribald sense of humor, though. Yeah, we know that. He's uh, wasn't he just telling some dirty jokes? Yeah, we the played them benefit? on the last yeah. uh, on the last episode. So yeah, and uh, I, I know in uh, one of the concerts for uh, one of the albums we're talking about today, he goes off on a big long tangent about uh, how much he loves Conolingus. <laughs> so hey, you really? know, yes. <laughs> oh boy. So hey, he'd fit right in with us. I think okay. actually. Um. So yeah, hit us up. We need. We need our time. Hmm. 
we we need our time together, Bruce. Yeah, you're st- you're starting up the tour next year. Uh, I believe uh, the tour dates start uh, Phoenix, Arizona, March nineteen. So is it a it's a continuation? I'm assuming of these the are rescheduled tour. dates. Yes, okay, uh, due to his health issues. I and saw this particular tour last spring in New York. I believe you've mentioned that every episode. <laughs> um, but yeah, starting back up again, uh, a mere four days after the Ides of March, if you can mm. believe it. I love the Ides of March. Oh my God. I know we're supposed to beware it, but oh, I love it too much. It is the best. Just, now, St. Patrick's Day, is that on the 16th? I think St. Patrick's or 17th. Day. 17th. Uh, it's not one of the hol- those holidays that floats around every year, right? It is it's because it's on us. It's uh, the seventeenth of March, that's so it's I on mean. a different day. So it is. Yeah, that's what I meant. <laughs> now holidays. Yeah, I don't like these holidays that float around. Is this an episode of I don't like these holidays that float around? You know it is. Hey everyone, welcome to I don't like these holidays that float around. This is Scott, and this is Scott. And we're talking about halls, you know, uh, holidays, float, floating halls, you know, the lead days. I, I have a question. Who yeah. loves them? No one. I'll answer that question. Yeah. Not no a one single soul. Nope. Um, holidays should always be on a Friday. Friday. And you know why? Because Friday night is when you fucking party. <laughs> exactly. You know? We should. Okay. Let's break this down. Should holidays be on Friday? Because a lot of people leave early on Friday anyway. So it's like half a holiday. Right. So they'd only be getting half a holiday. It should be on a Monday, right? You're right. So you can take a three-day weekend. Yes. So you can or, leave early on Friday, come back on Tuesday. But then some employers might make it like a half day on Monday, right? Well, th- not if it's illegal, if it's a holiday. Oh, yeah. If you make it a, a law. But here's here's what you should do. Leave early on Friday. Yeah. Take your normal days, Saturday, Sunday. Yeah. Then take a Monday off. Do a half day on Tuesday. Take Wednesday off. Wednesday off. And then Thursday, you take off. You take off. And then Friday, don't even do that half day that we were right. talking about. Don't even go in. So you do a half day on Tuesday. So the work week is uh, Monday off. Half of Tuesday. Half of Tuesday. Wednesday, you t- just take, just it take off. off. Yeah, yeah. Thursday, Thursday you should also, you should, Thursday, you just take, take Thursday that off. off. And then Friday, don't do that half day you were going to do. Right. Blow it off. <laughs> Blow it off. So your work week is half of Tuesday. <laughs> yes. But you know what? Just blow that off. Blow that off too. Give give your boss the old double birds and so say, I'm out of here. If we set holiday, put holidays, all holidays on a set day, which is Monday. Yes. Then no one will have to work anymore and everyone will just get paid. Yeah, exactly. And th- there will not be goods and services anymore. No, 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 no. The, the barter system, uh, money will be obsolete. That's right. Um, and by the way, in this scenario, everything's being made in replicators, all food. That's right. And uh, there will be no fuel. So yeah. it will be like a road warrior like wasteland. Yes, of course. We'll be walking everywhere. It'll be the road warrior without cars. But you're going to have plenty of time to relax. Yeah. Just take you the know? day off. So I think. There should be only one holiday a month. Yes. And it should be on the first Monday of every month. Right. And for that holiday, you take the rest of the days of the month of the, off. Other than Tuesday, half day, which you should probably just, just blow, blow off. it off. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. 
All right, bye. Bye. Interesting. I feel like they made a lot of progress on that, just that first pilot <laughs> I think episode. You, yeah. Why, and why do they call it a pilot, by the way? Well, a pilot program is uh, kind of just trying something out, right? That's what they call it, a pilot program. I guess. Yes, that's what they call so it. So wait, wait, anytime anyone flies a plane, they're just kind of sort of trying it out? Just giving it a shot. Like most of the time when you get on an airliner... Uh, like sure. a, a TWA, TWA, uh, uh, Delta, Delta, American Airlines, United, <laughs> love Airlines. it or leave it, yeah, uh, Southwest, sure, Spirit, Spirit, especially Spirit, oh, Alaska Airlines, sure, uh, Conair, Conair, great <laughs> airline. Um, anytime I go on Conair, by the way, it's really uncomfortable because, like, the, the first of all, everyone in the seats are very rowdy. Yeah. You know, they don't stay in their seats during takeoff. It's it's like, uh, you know, when you go on Southwest, times a hundred million. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Everyone's so rowdy. They're mm-hmm. all the, the clientele of Con Air, by the way. They're it's, all very muscly. <laughs> super muscly and super oily. Oily. Their skin Sweaty like glistens. And, yeah, yeah. And there are several murders that occur. <laughs> yeah. Up in the air. Yeah. But other than that, I have so many miles with them. Me too. But you're not allowed to use them. (laughs) No. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah. So any of those airlines, you take a flight and chances are they're just trying it out. They're just, that does not make me feel good because every time I've been on a plane, I've kind of had the, I've sort of security saying like, these guys know what they're doing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're just trying it out. Yeah. Giving it a shot. Okay. Yeah. How many failed pilots are there in the airline industry a year? Uh, 3,000. <laughs> it's too many. You know, uh, I don't know why they call television shows uh, the first episodes. I don't know why they call them pilots. Hmm. Do you? I don't. I mean, I kind of, uh, uh, I, I remember they would they would burn them off failed ones. Yeah. They would air them on Friday nights. CBS. I remember that too. I would watch a lot of them. Yeah. Yeah. And I I remember it was always just called pilot. Yes. What is this new show? Pilot. Me too. It's about a guy who flies planes. Why would they do that? Just so they could make some advertising dollars. I think so. Yeah. It's so weird. I used to love it though. I remember there was a, there was a show. I bet you did. You did too. I did. <laughs> I bet you fucking did. I did. Um, there was a show called Quark. I remember that was Quark. Quark. It was all about like a stranded uh, spaceship. Hard to believe this didn't make it. And uh, here it is, uh, starring Richard Benjamin. Uh, oh no, they actually made it. What the hell? Quark. The pilot aired May 7, nineteen seventy-seven, and then the series followed as a mid-season replacement in seventy-eight. What? Oh, Buck Henry cre- uh, co-created it. Oh, Buck, Buck Henry's awesome. Yeah, he rules. So that's why I liked it so Is much. Is it Q W or Q U? Q U. What do? You... Well, I seem to remember Q-W. Quark being Q W. You something. seem to remember that? Yeah, I, I just remember that... the title. Hmm. How is it spelled? Come on. <laughs> Q U. Okay. O-R-K? First, of, first of all, this is the first time that Adams brought his fucking computer with him to it. And now he's like 
fucking Doogie Hauser over here. I did tap it away like it's the end of an episode. I didn't episode. even realize I had it with me, my <laughs> iPad, and then I saw it and I'm like, oh, I'm going to whip it out. So I know it's an iPad, but you can't attach a keyboard to an iPad and not just call it a computer. Yeah, I guess you're right. So you're just like tap, tap, tapping away for the first time. You're totally distracted. <laughs> but is it, I'm trying to find it. Is it Q-U-O-R-K? No! What is it? A-R-K. Oh, Quark. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, Adam, I love you. I love you. Quark, TV pilot. Richard Benjamin starred along with such stars as Tim Thomerson and Richard Kelton. Oh, my God. And the Barnstable Barnstable twins. twins. Who who the hell are these two? I don't know. Trisha and Sib Barnstable. Wow. Two, just two uh, blonde twins who were flanking Richard Benjamin, who's sitting here going like, how the fuck did this happen to me? Adam Quark is a commander who longs for a glamorous, important assignment and ends up collecting trash instead. He is skilled and competent, but extraordinarily unlucky. That's... Hmm. Sounds like a reboot is in order, starring... A little guy named Paul Rudd. Look at the <laughs> spaceship is terrible. <laughs> Adam has has clicked on a picture of the spaceship and enlarged it and then turned around his computer, even though he knows I'm on the actual same, <laughs> you're looking at same the Wikipedia same page. <laughs> I remember an early uh, review where I was mentioned uh, said that I looked like a young Richard Benjamin. Oh, interesting. A young Richard Benjamin. So at the time he was older than you. Yeah, at the time he was old. It, had you caught up uh, uh, recently? You've I'm caught, sure I have. I'm sure up. I've caught up and then exceeded. Yeah. He was awesome. Richard Benjamin is cool. He is cool. He's 85 years old. Uh, his wife is Paula Prentice. Are we on the same Wikipedia page again? I believe so. Turn it around and show me a picture, (laughs) Richard. (laughs) Thanks, bro. Really appreciate it. I'm gonna I'm gonna look up these Barnstable twins though uh, for later. Wow, he directed City Heat. Yeah, he did not direct the Money Pit. Yeah, I think he he did. did? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was a a, a, quite a an accomplished director. He directed Mermaids, which is a big deal. The Sunshine Boys. Milk money. Yeah. <laughs> My stepmother's an alien. Marcy X starring Lisa Kudrow and Damon Wayans. Never heard of it, but about to rent it, I'll tell you that much. And uh, Mrs. Winterborn starring a little Academy Award winner by the name of Brendan Fraser. Whoa. Yeah, he did that. Starring Ricky Lake and Brendan Fraser. Yeah. Uh... Yeah, Richard Benjamin. Money Pit, I feel like, might be worth a... Uh, a rewatch? Yeah. I haven't seen that in a long time. I'll tell you, the pedigree on this Quark TV series is really yeah. nothing to sneeze at. No, I'm not going to even come close to sneezing anywhere near it. I mean, it's the composer on it is Perry Botkin Jr.? I mean, that right there. Wow, right. he directed My Favorite Year. Yeah. Holy great, shit. Great, great film. Peter O'Toole. It's a great movie. Is this... Oh my God. What are we fucking doing? This is I Love Films. We just went head first right into it and didn't even know.
Hey everyone, welcome to I Love Films. This is Scott. And this is Scott. And we're talking about the career of a man. He's an actor. He's a director. Mm -hmm. He's 85 years old. He's married to Paula Prentice. And listen, he's a Golden Globe winner. And uh, I'll tell you what else. He's nominated for an Emmy. He was born in New York City, the son of Samuel Roger Benjamin, a garment industry uh, industri industry worker. Forgot how to s pronounce industry. <laughs> it's a tough one. <laughs> industry, industry, industry. Well, it's weird because when you say industrial, you don't yeah. say industrial. No. So I'm I, when I read words yeah. off a computer screen, yeah. I do it a letter at a time. Hmm. So I'm here thinking I'm going to say industrial. Yeah. And I get to the end and it's a Y. And oh, so you're like industry. Industry. But at that point, you're, you're not going to stop short. At that point, you, you've pretty much married yourself to this particular exactly. pronunciation. Right now, I'm looking at a photo of him from 1972. Wow. And he looks great. <laughs> Would you turn that around for yeah, me so right I can here. see it, even though I'm looking at it? <laughs> it's right there. <laughs> well, of course, we're talking about Richard Benjamin. Mermaids. Mermaids. Cher, Winona Ryder, Christina Ricci. I mean, you, it doesn't get better than that. Hey, Children's Hospital. Did he do a Children's Hospital? He he was uh, uh, in a role in Children's Hospital. It may be his final film or his final credit. Yeah. Not final, but his, his most, most recent. recent. Yes. Well, I mean... It was eight years ago, but then COVID and a strike. Yeah. Yeah. Richard Benjamin's a legendary uh, actor, director. Fantastic. Of course, he played Casper Weinberger in the Pentagon Wars. We all know that. Yep. Dr. Vishniak in Inc. He was in Catch 22, which is a huge, huge incredible movie. Mike. Uh, he was in Westworld. He's in fucking Westworld, the original Westworld. Yes. Not the. He's not. Um, TV show. He's not James Marsden. We should just make that very clear. That's actually a really great kind of flag to throw up. Yeah. He is not James Marsden. He's not James Marsden. A lot of times he'll be watching a show and you'll be like, is that James Marsden? Guess what? It is. Yeah. But in, in, this, case, in this case, not James Marsden. If you, you, know, if you happen to see Portnoy's complaint yeah. and you're like, is the guy playing Alexander Portnoy, is that James Marsden? Uh, 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 uh. If you uh, go and rent or download the movie Milk Money starring at Harris Melanie, Melanie, Griffith, Melanie Griffith, of course, and, and he, you're watching that and you're like, I wonder if James Marsden directed this. He might have. I mean, it's the kind of thing he would do. It's knowing, not out of the question. Jimmy Mars. Yeah. But in this case, it's not. It was Richard Benjamin. He directed it. No. If you're watching How to Beat the High Ka Dollar of Living... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, I love how to beat the high dollar of living. Mm -hmm. But who's that playing Albert? Is that yeah. is that James Martin? Is that James Martin? No. It, it was. It was. It was. It was James Martin, yeah. He time traveled. If you watch Disturbing Behavior, the movie Disturbing Behavior mm -hmm. from 1997. Sure. I think. And you think... Is that James Marston playing one of the leads with Katie Holmes? You'd be correct because it You'd, was. It was James yeah. Marston. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. If you're if you're watching 
I'm trying to think of anything else. James Marsden, Sonic the Hedgehog? No. That was Richard Benjamin. Jury Duty? No, that was Richard Benjamin. That was Richard Benjamin. Oh, uh, guest spot on um, the first episode of the Party Down reboot. That was Richard Richard Benjamin. Benjamin, yeah. I think James Marsden, honestly, he hasn't done a lot of stuff. Not since Disturbing Behavior, which was actually Richard Benjamin. I was lying. <laughs> right. Okay, bye. Uh, bye. <laughs> Pretty comprehensive about the career of at least one guy. Yeah. And I think we found out that James Marsden is actually Richard Benjamin in disguise. I think so. Yeah. Why would he do that? Is Maybe that he dressed figured? up for as Richard Benjamin for Halloween and just stayed that uh, way. Maybe that's what a it lot was. like the way I dressed up, like uh, this granny thing that I've just stayed in this costume. You're still <laughs> wearing it, which yep. is so weird. Uh, both incredibly talented guys, Richard Benjamin, James Marsden. Would love to see them face off. Oh, yeah. When I say that, I mean do the movie face-off. Yeah, the two of them. I would love it. That would be so cool. Yeah. Seeing the two of them with guns. Oh, my God. Face-off. Face. Just that scene alone. That scene alone, but then like to to watch them like shooting guns in an airplane and stuff like that, that would be so fucking cool. How's that movie right now? Have you watched it lately? it's really good. Is it awesome? Yeah. I bet it is. I read the script to it approximately a year before they went into production. It was one of the best scripts I've ever read. And then, huh. then I was disappointed when I saw it because they took out a lot of the stuff that I thought was cool. Which was what? Uh, it was set in the future, kind of. Huh. And, uh, Isn't the movie set sort of in the future? They, they kind of set it in the present with like, oh, this technology is cutting yeah, edge and right. stuff. This was purely just set in the future. Hmm. Um. And there were like the reveal of Nick Cage's character. There was a lot of stuff about it that was really cool that I was like, damn, this is a good script. So I was disappointed the first time I saw it, but I watched it recently. It's very good. Who wrote it? Did Richard Benjamin write it? Richard Benjamin. Yeah. Huh. And a guy named Jimmy Mars. Whoa, did James Marsden also write it? <laughs> they co-wrote it together. I feel like James Marsden is just going to be, if he if this makes it, finds its way Wait to his ear hole like, somehow. What? Is, why? I mean, he's worked with the both of us. He was on the comedy Bang Bang TV show, which I can talk about finally now oh, that the strike God. is over. I can finally remind everyone about this show no one watched. A lot of people watched comedy Bang Bang. Sure. The right people. Um, well, we both know that. Um, yeah. So, no. So, it won't be weird. He'll be like, oh, yeah, of course. These guys know me. They That's know exactly what makes sense. It makes sense. We should do a James Marsden recap podcast. Just recapping this conversation. This conversation, yeah. yeah. I think my next, the next movie I'm going to watch is either Mrs. Winterborn or Marcy X. Mm, man, I'd love to do a deep dive. Why isn't uh, why isn't uh, what are their names? Blank check. Oh, with Brian Bonsall. No, oh. <laughs> the podcast. Of oh, course, I check. of course I know Griffin and David. I was trying to remember the name of their podcast. Right. Um, why doesn't Blank Check do Richard Benjamin? It's a good. That would, would be a great subject, you know. And the and uh, so not just the movies he directed, but every role he's ever done. Scavenger Hunt. I would listen to that. I would listen to the shit out of. Also, it. Marsden would be a pretty good one because he's done so much too. So much shit. 
so much alternate richard benjamin and jimmy mars every episode you just bounce back mm-hmm. and forth yeah this is good a lot of parallels griffin and david call us and also we should host it yeah those guys we are should good. take over those guys are good but honestly a little bit of a little bit of a snooze i remember seeing city heat in the movie theater and Burt Reynolds, Clint Eastwood, like, team up. It was, like, yeah. the heat of the early 80s. And it's called City Heat. But it was not good. I remember being a little kid and being like, this is not good. <laughs> Isn't that weird? When you're a kid, like, everything you see is good. Yeah, I know. So the first time you see something that's bad, you're like, wait a minute. Yeah. Why I didn't did... know this was possible. Because, But I, then I would go see, like, a Chuck Norris movie and be like, this is good. This is great. This is really <laughs> yeah, good. No, this is good. So yeah, I, I remember seeing this movie Condor Man twice in the theaters going, yeah. this is good. This is very, <laughs> this is this very, is very good. good. But then suddenly you see something that's, I remember then I saw the black hole. Yeah. And I was like, that was bad. Yeah. I was like, how did I know that was bad? I remember walking out of the black hole <laughs> with my brother and just being like, that does not work. <laughs> how, how did, but yet Condor Man. Yeah, that was good. That was good. <laughs> Invasion USA. Great. Great. Yep. Firefox with Clint Eastwood. Yeah, Firefox. Love Fantastic. It. Yeah. Saw City it Heat, for whatever reason, <laughs> not, not good. And I'm sure it's fine. <laughs> All right. We got to go to a break, Adam. Okay. Um, you know what we're doing today? Hmm. We're talking about two different projects of Bruce Springsteen. Well, uh, quite a few. Two jects. Two jects. Um, he's jecting off uh, on these. We're talking about uh, Jesus <laughs> greatest hits, and we're also talking about the ghost of Tommy Joad. But why would we talk about a greatest hits album? Because there's a lot of new material That's on right. it. Thank you very much. All right, so we're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll be talking about greatest hits and, of course, the ghost of Tom Joe. This is Candy Boy, Candy's Boy. You spring and spring on my bean. All right, Bruce. Okay, we're just we just need a little music to take us back in from commercial. We don't we don't want to hear you singing about it. Anyway, That's welcome right. back to uh, you, Spring and Springsteen on my bean. And um, yeah, we're doing oh, man. it, man. We're we fucking sure doing it. So, um, Adam, I don't know if you remember our last episode. <laughs> we just did it a few days ago. <laughs> I'm not sure I buy that. Hmm. Okay, fine. well, okay, sure. So we we left off in um with two albums released in 1992, right? And Human Touch and Lucky Town. And uh then Springsteen, old Springy Bean himself, Springo <laughs> is what we don't call him. Springo goes off on uh a little tour with a different band. Uh and people uh, have right have uh, some weird reactions to it and they're like this is not what we wanted um and uh this tour goes into 1993 but something happens at the beginning of 1993 which changes everything so he is still on tour for those two records 
1993. Because those came yeah. out in 92. So okay. Yeah, n- normally he when he does a tour, he's usually doing like a year and a half. Yeah. Um, yeah. So at the beginning of... 18 months. 19 sometimes, 17. Mm-hmm. Somewhere well, in between 17 and 19 okay. months. That's over a year and a half, but... Mm. Um, so in 93... There's this guy, and he's come up on one of our sister shows hmm. before. This guy calls up Springy Springo, a guy by the name of Jonathan Demi. We've hmm. talked about him, Adam. I don't know if you recall any of this. We've talked oh, about sure. him on a different show we do called, I mean, I think it's just an episode. It's an episode of you talking talking heads to my head. To my talking head. To my talking head. Yeah. Is that what we call <laughs> it? Think so. Hey, welcome to you talking talking heads to my talking head. This is Scott, and this is Scott. Wasn't there more? Than I that? know. I don't okay. remember it. Um, anyway, Jonathan Demi directed "Stop Making Sense." Oh yeah. Okay. See you next time. Bye. <laughs> Good app. Good app. <laughs> they weren't kidding when they said <laughs> comprehensive and <laughs> encyclopedic and comprehensive. Um, yeah. So Jonathan Demi, um, since he did Stop Making Sense, he did uh, Something Wild, one of my favorite movies. Yes. Yeah. Uh, what did Great he movie. do after Something Wild? Swing Shift? No, that was, uh, he was doing that right before Stop Making Sense. Uh-huh. Uh, oh, he did Swimming to Cambodia, the um, yeah. the concert film with Spalding Gray. Um, oh, of course, Married to the Mob and Silence of the Lambs. Yep. Yeah, so he's he's won the Oscar with Silence of the Lambs. God, I, I don't know if I ever saw Married to the Mob. Oh, it's so fucking good. I must have seen it. You must have. I it's, have to see it again, though. It's a great movie. Yeah, it's got... Uh, or... Uh, I don't remember if I saw it. It's got Dean Stockwell. Yeah, it has the mom Michelle boss, Pfeiffer. Michelle Pfeiffer, yeah, and Matthew Modine, Mercedes Rule, who Mercedes rules. Um, she sure does. Yeah, it's a great, it's a great. God, film. what great actors we had back then, man. I mean, they're these days still we're around. stuck with you. That's right. Um, yeah, so he he uh, did Silence of the Lambs in '91, wins the Oscar, and then basically gets to sort of do as they blank talk check. about in blank check, gets to do whatever he wants, and he has shot in 92 i believe a film by the name of philadelphia yes indeed and also a terrific movie uh starring tom hanks denzel washington and it's all about uh some uh uh, someone who has been fired after his boss discovers he's gay and has aids Mm -hmm. that's tom tom hanks's character um, and Denzel plays the lawyer who defends him, mm-hmm. sort of homophobic lawyer. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so realizing, you know, this is coming off of Silence of the Lambs, but realizing this is also a movie aimed at middle America, mm-hmm. he he gets, Don, Jonathan Demi gets this idea of, hey, the soundtrack should be like all these Heartland rockers who are like huge hmm. uh, major rock stars. Yeah. So who does he go to first? John Cougar Mellencamp? Neil Young. Oh. <laughs> does he really? <laughs> he does, yes. So he goes to Neil Young first, and um, he really wants like a big rock song for the opening credits. Yeah. And Neil Young sends him back the song Philadelphia, uh, which is this plaintive piano ballad. 
Uh, have you, you, you know, that it's song, on right? the soundtrack, isn't it? Yeah, it's great, yeah. but it's, it's, uh, here, let me see if I can, uh, but it's a bummer. Well, it's just, it's, it's a very touching song. Let me play a little bit of it. It's a great song, but it's yeah. he Jonathan Demi is like has tears in his eyes yeah. when he's listening to it, but he's like, this can't be in the opening credits, but I'll put it in the closing credits. Sure. So he says, There's only one guy I can uh, call. Yeah. After, of course, Neil Young doesn't give me the song I want. And John Cooker Mellencamp. <laughs> he's dodging my calls for some reason. Um, so he calls up um Springo. Yeah. And and at the time, the reason that song is so plaintive and sad is AIDS is kind of ravaging the planet. It yeah, is such I mean, a scary time. He, this is 93. You have Reagan in the 80s wouldn't even acknowledge yeah. it. Um, If he ever did, it was at the end of his presidency. It's still, it's just a, a terrible thing going on. And, yeah. and, and um, you know, there's the normal heart comes out as a play and stuff, yeah. but not a film yet. And so this Philadelphia was, was kind of the first piece of mainstream entertainment to really deal with this. Um, and it was made before the Clinton administration came in and it's not the first Bush wasn't exactly, uh, tackling the problem. I think either. it was, I think it was made right when, well, Clinton, Clinton was, wasn't inaugurated till early, early 93. Yeah. Didn't the and movie this, come out in 93? Late, late, late 93, 93. Yeah, okay. yeah, December. So okay. I think they're maybe editing sure, it. When, of course. Yeah, but yeah, uh, Bush and Bush and Reagan didn't really do a lot no. to to help out with any of that. So um, so he goes to Springo and he's like, hey, can you give me like a big Born in the USA type rock song mm-hmm. uh, for these opening credits? And Springo goes into the stewed. He writes some lyrics sort of incorporating some thoughts he had about i think a friend who uh had passed away recently uh-huh. and he writes some lyrics and he tries out like a big rock song yeah chords and stuff yeah. and he's like sort of singing along with it and he said he goes like this sucks <laughs> did that ever turn into anything for him i don't think so so mm-hmm. but he took the lyrics and he put on a drum machine and he just started singing some more quiet stuff yeah um and sent the demo over to jonathan demi and jonathan demi is like holy shit this is amazing too and he goes neil i I feel like neil young and bruce springsteen trust this movie to be uh trust it more than i do yeah um like they're giving me these incredibly emotional songs that obviously work and i'm sitting here trying to emotionally manipulate uh-huh. the audience and going like it's okay here's yeah, a rock yeah. thing so he puts it over the opening credits and it's amazing oh, it is so great and, and that song when it came out it was just immediately everywhere yes so this this is uh after the last three albums or so this is a a big hit for Bruce Springsteen. Let's let's uh, listen yeah. to it. This is Streets of Philadelphia by Bruce Springsteen.
battered I couldn't tell what I felt I was unrecognizable to myself I saw my reflection in a window and didn't know my own face oh brother gonna leave me wasting away on the streets of So this goes to number 13 on the charts. Mm. Um, hailed as, you know, kind of a return to form. Totally. For Bruce Springsteen. Weirdly enough, so they did a they did a different version of it that they even shot a video for where Jimmy Scott, do you know who that is? Little yeah. Jimmy Scott. He's yeah. he does a lot of backups for it. Whoa. And that was in the film. There you can hear a little bit of it in the film, but huh. like right before the singles released Bruce takes it all out. Really? And just goes back to to this de- version. To the demo version. Yeah. This this may not be the demo demo. This might be the souped up demo. souped up demo. But then they recorded a band version uh with Jimmy Scott and he was huh. like, no, let me just go back to this version. Is that version out there any? No. Oh. Um but you can hear you can hear maybe the original demo in the movie. Yeah. Cause you you can kind of hear like different backup vocals and stuff uh-huh. like that on it, and and people think that might be the demo demo, uh-huh. and this is the, you know, slightly better demo. Um, yeah, man, it, it was just so it was such a sad time because there was no cure, not even on the horizon, really. Yeah, and the entire LGBTQ community was just. Especially during the Reagan Bush years, they were just marooned. Like, what the fuck is going on? Like, people were just dying. And so, I know that Magic Johnson had announced he yeah. was HIV positive in '92. Yeah. So that was something that sort of broke through yeah, to the mainstream finally. a little bit. Yeah. In the same way that uh, I mean, this is not analogous, but you know how when Tom Hanks said, "I have COVID in Australia," it kind of made everyone yeah. like take it seriously. You right. Know? Right. Um, but yeah, it just was, uh, it uh, was so scary. <laughs> yeah. Cause there was no, they, no one knew what to do. And it was years until they kind of figured it out a, a bit. As, as well as they've, they as well have they, it now. Yeah. yeah. Which is now it's a very manageable yeah. uh, thing. But at the time it was like, if you were HIV positive, you very well could be gone in a month. That's right. Um, and this movie and the song, everything's really kind of mainstream and got a lot of criticism for kind of backing off of the, you know, the gay relationships in the movie. And- yeah. I remember seeing it kind of going like, oh, this is, I mean, because like where I went to acting school, they had just done the normal hearts. Right. And, I, and that's a little more hardcore. And, and I remember of, Larry Kramer hated this movie. Too. Right. Right. Yeah. But so I was a little like, it's a little corny. Yes slightly it's a little commercial it's a little yes. safe um, but it was really important this was in multiplexes around the country right a lot of people their thinking was really kind of stodgy this issue so this um this the movie comes out at the end of 93 and uh the single version comes out at the beginning of 94 but it wins the oscar in yeah. uh 94 in march i think of 94 
Um, Springsteen in his book has a hilarious story where he flies the Oscar back home and sets it down in front of his dad. <laughs> and his dad goes like, well, I'm never going to tell anyone what to do ever again. <laughs> wow. Um, but yeah, so he wins wins the Oscar for this and kind of makes him go like, oh, wow, I can write a song about what's going on yeah, yeah. in the world right now and it can be good. Um, Who played on that song? So... Like we say, it's a it's pretty much a demo, but you have Tommy Sims doing background vocals, but wow. that's it. Wow! So he Springsteen's just played doing everything. everything. Yeah, wow. and it's got the keyboard sound that yeah. that is going to be something that he uses for the rest of the '90s, and something that in the 2000s people are going to have to say, "Hey, Bruce, can you stop, stop using that?" that? <laughs> well, it's sort of a variation on the '80s. You know, on mm-hmm. some of the wash they would use on on some of the slower songs. Yeah, but I guess like every demo he would send anyone would, would have, have that, that oh, on wow. it, and That's and you can hear it even on the Tom Jode stuff we'll be talking. Yeah, about. for sure. Um, but yeah, so so Springsteen Springo himself, this is a big success. So he he actually he records it in early '93, and he's like, "This is really good." So he records a whole album in that style of music. Huh. And but it's all relationship based stuff, uh-huh. like like the type tunnel of, of, of tunnel of love, uh human touch, lucky town type relationship, like uh, you know, lyrics, but it's all this style of music. And he listens to it and he's kinda like, uh, I don't know. And then Roy Bitten listens to it and goes like, these lyrics you know, it kind of feels like this is this would be the fourth album of you yeah, doing this yeah. relationship stuff, and like a one-off is cool, but yeah. four, I don't know. And Spring Springo was kind of like, no, no, it's it, no, uh, it's really good, it's really good. Yeah. But now in retrospect, he's like, uh, I think Roy was right. Yeah. So he shelves it. Has that ever seen the light of day? So one song has come out um, from it, and that's the. The song "Missing," uh, which is the theme to the Sean Penn film *The Indian Runner*, which oh. uh, let's play a little bit of it here.
This night I dream. Sounds pretty cool. Like yeah. I, I honestly would love to hear this record. Me too. Because it's some. I, I feel like he listened to it also and was like, "This is such a departure." Yeah. I don't know if I can release it, but listen to scratch the yeah. Wawa guitar and. So like a whole album of this style, I think. I could see that moment being the wrong time to put that out, though. Yeah, I I think, especially after his last two were met yeah. with such indifference, uh, and then Streets of Philadelphia is heating up and becomes a big single. I think he is just like I don't. I, this can't be the next thing I put out. But I would love it if he would put it out now. Totally. It's just so interesting how careful he is throughout this entire decade and yeah. never quite Gun zeros, shy, zeroes in, in on what he wants to do. Yeah, so he does take another couple of songs and he he uh, repurposes them for what he's about to do. Um, and we can talk about that. So what he decides to do, he decides to get back with the edibles. Oh, shit. He does? Yeah. He's like, you know what? Uh, I think let's... Let's do. I th- here's here's they decide to do the greatest hits record. Yeah, and here's what I think is happening because I watched the whole uh, uh, Blood Brothers ninety minute documentary. Right, it's really seventy five minutes plus a couple of videos about what about the, them getting back together and doing the greatest hits songs. Right? Wow, they made a, a documentary just about this. We're starting to get in the period where like everything he does is being filmed. Yeah, <laughs> um, so yeah. um, so they they made a whole documentary about it, and I guess like. He decides to do it on a Thursday, and then the band is there in the studio on Tuesday. Wow. And the the record company goes, okay, well, if you're going to do this, here's the deadline. We're going to put it out. And they realize they have to start doing 20-hour days. So they set out to just make a few songs for the greatest, for the greatest hit. And here's what I think is happening. Yeah. Is he's won the Oscar for Streets of Philadelphia. Right. And I think that um, they want it on an album. Right. and So they can really cash it. Because yeah. just a single, it's not like they make a ton of money on it. You can't go, people don't go buy singles that often. Yeah, exactly. The single came out in February of the previous year. Right. Uh, so in 94, he... Uh, he makes this he makes this album sort of like Philadelphia, scraps it, and then goes like, all right, so let's put out a best of. We'll put Philadelphia on it. But in order to really make sure everyone buys it, let's get the edibles back together yeah. and let's record some of these songs. They get together with the edibles in the studio. And first of all, watching the documentary, there's a lot of hat business. Bruce comes in with a hat. He is trying to do takes with the headphones over the hat. He's constantly fiddling with the hat. He says he brought enough hats for everyone if everyone else wants to wear a hat. Why? I do not know what is going on with this. Is the there hats. like a hat thing happening? And I I truly I, I started going like, is everyone worried about their hairlines? What's happening? What's what's the deal with all these hats? Yeah, I truly don't know what's happening with the hat business, but that's a big part of the documentary. That's crazy. At some point, he's like, yeah, I just want to get through one take with the hat on. 
<laughs> I don't know what's happening. And anyway. is everyone like, okay, Bruce, we'll all wear a hat? <laughs> no, no, I don't think anyone takes him up on his hat offer. Um, also, another hilarious line is uh, John Lando comes up to him and is like, so what do, What time do you want to come into the studio tomorrow? I mean, obviously we need to set, you know, he's like talking about, well, yeah. Max doesn't have to set up the drums or whatever. And Bruce goes, I'm going to see Beauty and the Beast tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> the cartoon? No, the Broadway show. Oh my god. <laughs> With his kids. I think he he had promised that he would go see Beauty and the Beast. Um but the edibles are back. Uh even little Steven comes by and grabs a mandolin and and starts playing. And Bruce has written these new songs and um he goes through them with the Edible Street Band and the documentary, which sort of follows. What's really interesting is they're, they try a whole bunch of different arrangements out of these songs and um, what ends up working is all pretty mellow. Uh-huh. <laughs> so let's go, let's go through the, uh, the new songs in order. Should we run the track list of the greatest hits or yeah. who cares? Yeah. Okay. So the greatest hits, it starts with Born to Run. Yep. Um, so nothing from the first two records, uh, and then does Thunder Road. You also see them like trying to figure out the track list uh, for a while. I bet that's uh, arduous. They're talking about should it be a one disc, should it be a two disc, yeah. and they're pretty committed. Like it should just be a one because I think that'll sell better. Yeah. But then they're sort of like, oh man, we're leaving off Tenth Avenue Freeze Out, right. and they have all these what they consider to be great songs, and they're like these have to fit onto the records. So how are we going to do this? They end up doing like early fade outs of some songs and edit, you know, radio edits. Yeah. So we have Born to, Ro- uh, Born to Run, Thunder Road, Badlands is the only thing from Darkness represented. Yeah. The River and Hungry Heart are from the river. Um, Nebraska, you have Atlantic City. Yeah. Then from Born in the USA, you have only four of the big seven. Four. But wow. Dancing four. in the Dark, yeah. Born in the USA, My Hometown, Glory Days. So the big singles you're missing are Cover Me, I'm on Fire, I'm Going Down. God, that must have been tough to figure out. Yeah. And then one song from Tunnel of Love, Brilliant Disguise, one song from Human Touch, which is an edit of Human Touch, one from Lucky Town, which is an edit of Better Days, then Streets of Philadelphia, the single edit of that. And then they end up putting four new songs out of all the ones they record onto the record and... Let's hear some of them. This is the first new one with the edibles. This is Secret Garden by Bruce Springsteen. in the back 
In my opinion, this is his one of his Stone Cold classics. Yeah, it's incredible. I love this song. And uh, used to great effect in Jerry Maguire. Jerry right? Maguire, yeah. This is uh, was not a hit, weirdly. When, when they released this record, they put it out as a single, and it did not crack the top 40. Right, right, huh? Didn't crack the top 40 initially, and everyone was kind of like, what the fuck? This is like a perfect yeah. follow-up single to Streets of Philadelphia. And it wasn't until Jerry Maguire came out yeah. they re-released it. it. It is his last top 40 hit. Wow. Is that right? Yeah. So it finally became a hit after Jerry Maguire. It's very interesting watching the documentary because he brings it in. This This is one of the songs he brought in from the aborted album. That's what I was going to ask if this is part of that. Yeah. And they start playing it and he's kind of like, I don't know, I don't know. And then they finally lock into this groove mm-hmm. and he gets very happy and he he mentions, we're whipping the demo, which is something that I think we talked about on a previous episode. He would like have people, if they could beat the demo, then he would leave it in. And, oh, and if, if not, then he would just leave the demo performance in. But he was very, very happy with how this one came out. Yeah. Great song. Great song. They do a a really interesting string version. You have John Lando going like, I think we need strings on this. It's going to mm-hmm. put it over the top. And so they have uh, David Kahn come in and do uh, like very uh, noticeable strings throughout yeah. it, like a very in-your-face arrangement of yeah. strings, and they're all so happy with it, and Springsteen's like, oh, I love it. And he's like holding David Kahn's hand. He's like, oh, my God. He plays it for Patty. He's like, oh, yeah. listen to this. And then he does something that the band says he's never done before, which he lets the entire Edible Street Band vote on what which version to use. Yeah. And I think the Edible's they all vote for the string version because they want to seem easy to work with. Uh-huh. They're like, yeah, we're not. We're, yeah, we don't care. We don't care. Yeah. So they all vote for the string version. Is it just strings and vocals? No, no. It's it's the it's the uh, I'll play a little bit of it, but it's it's the same. Let me skip to the, the middle where you can really. You've gone. But so they all, they all vote for the string version, and then you watch Springsteen kind of like being contrary, going like, "Yeah, but isn't it getting in the way of the meaning of the yeah. song?" <laughs> so he's just doing opposite of what yeah. everyone wants, and then he finally leaves the room, going like, "Do a compromise version, um, where anything that's like getting in the way of the." the meaning of the song gets taken out and then they just lose the string version yeah. altogether. You know, it's, it doesn't need that at all. Yeah. It doesn't need it at all. Nah. It's such a, it's such a good song, but they put it out as a B side. Um, so yeah, that's, that's uh, one of the new tracks that they put on. Um, next up you have, this is a song that they recorded for born in the USA. Um, and this ended up being a single, yeah. even though it's an old Born in the USA song. And uh, this is Murder Incorporated, and this is by Bruce Springsteen. Hmm. Hmm. 
Murder Incorporated. What do you think of this song? I think it's fine. I, um, what's weird about it is this, the, they make a video for it. Jonathan Demme directs it and it's in Tramp. It's at Tramps, which is this tiny club. Like 300 people are in the audience. And the version they put out as the video is, a li- is the live version from that. Um, so it's almost like they, I don't know that they have confidence in yeah. putting this out as a single or something. Uh, I wonder what, why they put this song out as a single. I guess among these four. They, they put out Secret Garden and then this one? No, they put out um, this as, huh. the, as like the lead single from, from the record. Hmm. I, m- here's my theory. And we'll hear a little bit of it in, in the next song that he, he brings. I don't think Bruce could write a convincing rocker for these guys, uh-huh. unfortunately. Like everything he came in with, they try rock versions yeah. and then it just settles into the mid-tempo uh, adult groove that he's in in the 90s. So so the next song is Blood Brothers and um, they lock into a great version of it, but we'll hear exactly sort of the groove of what it turns out to be. We play king of the mountain Out on the end The world come charging up the hill And we were women and men Now there's so much that time Time and memory fade away We got our own roads to ride Chances we gotta take East at side by side Each one fighting for the other And we sit until we die But always be blood brothers Now the hardness of this world so it's feeling pretty chill. Pretty chill. But what's weird is they they try to do a rock version. Uh-huh. So let's hear a little bit of the. Oh, you have it. Yeah. So they put it out as the. He he also put out a Blood Brothers EP, which has all the alternate versions mm-hmm. of this stuff and some of the stuff that they cut out. But here's the. Once we were kids playing King of the Mountain on the end. World came charging up the hill and we were women, we were men. Yeah, we stood by each other's side, each one fighting for the other. And we swore on till we died we'd always be blood brothers. Very different, but doesn't yeah. doesn't work. No. Um, I mean, once they lock into the version that they release, everyone's happy and like, oh my god, this is a beautiful song. But yeah. it is like another super chill. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? it's interesting. So they the fi- I always like the song. I mean, yeah, it's, it's good. good. It's about the band. I think it's about. Uh, it's very autobiographical yeah. about their relationship. Um, so then they also. 
amongst the other songs they tried, this is the last one that they put on. This is called This Hard Land by Bruce Springsteen. this song a lot it's never stuck with me really it's it, it, it's interesting watching the documentary because they're all very high on it at some point john landau was like talking about it saying it's always a question when you put out a greatest hits do you call it greatest hits or do you give it a title and with the way this song is coming together we think this is the big single and this might be the title of the greatest hits they never release it as a single. No, <laughs> and no one really ever. And talks. then they call it the greatest. Hits. <laughs> yeah, no one ever talks about it anymore. Uh, I think it's fine. I uh, it's to me, it's not. It's not a very convincing. Like if you're going to put something on greatest hits, I think it's got to be a single. Usually, really, the only band that's ever done it right is Hollow Notes, with. Um, the two songs they put out on their greatest hits were like huge singles. Oh, really? The two new songs, yeah. I'm trying to think if anyone else has ever done a good job with it, because usually it's like the ki- like the killer's previous greatest hits. They put out they have two new songs: one "Shot at the Night," which is a you know relatively big hit, and then one they never even release as a single. Yeah, I I I, I kind of I I remember thinking that these songs were actually much better than the new songs that are usually put on greatest hits. Like Interesting. most of the time I feel like they're like outtakes from five years ago that aren't very good. Right. Um so I, I always thought that it was a pretty strong four songs for one of like it really sounds like Did you buy it when it came out? I don't remember. I don't <laughs> think I did. I don't think I did. I I'm pretty sure I bought it in the uh I think I bought it in 2000 because around then I got a 50 CD changer. Oh, so you needed stuff. So I needed, well, no, I had a bunch of CDs, but like what I would do, I got a, I got a 50 CD changer and then I got a 500 CD changer and I got a, I got a compact disc, uh, recorder where I could make my own compact discs, you know? And so I, because I had way too many CDs to fit into these changers, I would make best ofs of everything. So mm. I think I was like, oh, okay, Springsteen. Yeah, finally a best of. Let me, let me, you to know, just it was. throw that in. And and I love best ofs. This, I think, really was my introduction mm-hmm. 
into like the breadth of his catalog you know it, it it really was like oh these are the songs that i should be paying attention to. i mean it is an incredible track list you look at these songs i mean other than like human touch and better days they are just all incredible classics yeah so it's there's 17 no there's 18 songs um but some would say his like indestructible period is only the first 10 and, yeah, and then I he, would or eleven. I guess brilliant disguise. Is maybe, like. yeah. Um, Why would they put a five-minute version of Human Touch on this? That's crazy. It's not even the six and a half-minute version. I mean, but... cut that down to three and a half minutes, and then you can put <laughs> something else on. Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. So they recorded a bunch of other stuff that they put out. There's uh, the first version of High Hopes, which is a cover oh, yeah. cover song by the Havelinas. Um, there's this kind of like soul song called without you that they ended up putting on the blood brothers EP. Um, there's a song called back in your arms, which is sort of like, I view it as sort of him trying to do a Chrissy Hines. I'll stand by you type song. Huh. I, I think that's the other song that he was recording for the solo project. You see them in the documentary, him singing it. It's just not quite, hmm. it doesn't quite get there. Um, and I think at the end of the day, so Jimmy Iovine, he is like, Bruce, you're back with the edibles, baby, baby. This is the time you got to get back together with them, go out and tour and make a new record. Yeah. And he says no. And I feel like it's because he couldn't quite get a convincing rocking, yeah. huge hit single out of this. Yeah. And so... I think he says, no, I'm not going to tour and and this is going to be it. He also does not seem comfortable with them in the documentary quite. Huh. He's sort of laughing a lot going, ha, 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 yeah. but not really looking at them all that much. And oh, interesting. Feels very like he still is upset with them and uncomfortable and and he's like, okay, yeah, this is really good. This is really good. But it's, he seems he's at a distance from huh. them. So I just don't think he's ready yet. So- a lot of people thought that after this greatest hits in early 95, that uh, a new record and a tour would be coming a little later in the year, but that's not what happened. Something totally, totally different happened, which we'll talk about after the break. What? Yeah. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll talk about what did happen on You Spring and Springsteen on My Beat. You spring and springs me on my being. This is the sort of ballad that he also recorded for the greatest hits called Back in Your Arms, which um, he doesn't end up putting out until tracks. In a very mellow, mellow mood. Yeah. I also feel like he's the way he's singing is very he's he's leaning into this quiet voice. Yeah. And so he that really works for some songs like Secret Garden. Yeah. But when he's trying to do like a rock song, yeah. it's not coming out exactly the way he wants it to come out. All right. So, that's early 95. 
and uh, everyone's sitting there going like, all right, edibles, when's the tour? When's the new record come out? And um, instead, he takes a hard left turn, and he takes one of the songs that he wrote for the Greatest Hits uh, sessions that they recorded a version of with the edibles, but he couldn't quite finish it, never got a satisfying version of it. Uh, it's a song called The Ghost of Tom Joad. Mm-hmm. And he decides to make an album of songs that are just like this Ghost of Tom Joad record. And it's an album called The Ghost of Tom Joad. Oh, that's what it's called. <laughs> Let's go through stats. November 21st, 1995. I remember it well. Do you? Yeah, because I remember the Beatles uh, anthology was coming out right around. It may have come oh, out really? the yeah. same day. Well, this this is back when new, like the big new holiday releases, there were they would all come out one week in November. Yeah. I remember, and certain stores like Tower would stay open till midnight, till midnight on in Monday or, night, yeah. uh, in order to like um, let people buy it. And so, yeah, I wonder if did Anthology come out on the same day? If if it didn't, it was close to this. Let me tell you that Anthology One came out on the yeah came out the same week. Wow. This says the twentieth, I think, because it came out um, on in the UK. In the it's UK, a day right? yeah, yeah. Interesting. So you have the Beatles anthology and the Ghost of Tom Joad, and Casino was opening that weekend, <laughs> and I was going nuts. <laughs> Your dick was so hard. I that was weekend. like fucking free as a bird. Cas- casino and ghost of tom joad let's do this meanwhile this year you have killers of the flower moon yeah uh new beatles track yeah and uh we're doing this show yep so same kind of feeling exactly the same (laughs) so did you buy this the week it came out probably yeah i think i was super excited about it because i love uh nebraska so much and this was being promoted as like the sequel right to nebraska um, so produced by Bruce himself, as well as, you know, who's back, our old friend, Chucky Plotz. Yep. Um, so, uh, Springo, he started thinking about the lyrics of Philadelphia. He's like, okay, I want to write stuff like this again. Um, but he, he feels, I guess he feels like sort of inauthentic in a way. He describes it as he's a rich man in a poor man's shirt. Mm. He talks a lot about, um, and he talked about this in the Springsteen on Broadway yeah. about how he dresses like his dad, hmm. um, like workman's clothes. Yeah, work. Yeah, you know these plaid shirts, and you know, like, hey, I'm wearing jeans. And, yeah, and he dresses like a factory guy, like his dad, but he's this huge, rich rock star. Yeah. Um. So he starts thinking about like uh, some of the questions he thought about was where does a rich man belong? What is the work for us to do in our short time here? Um. And he's reading a lot of books. He kind of talks about how when Nebraska came out, he wasn't even really sure politically of what he was trying to say. He was just kind of taking these stories or imagining these stories of these people. And but but he in this record, he has been reading a lot. He's he's sort of figured out his politics 
and he realizes he wants to make an album about the struggles that people are going through right now, mm-hmm. especially uh, immigrants. Um, and uh, he, he, there's a quote, he says, uh, we're a nation of immigrants and no one knows who's coming across our borders today, whose story might add a significant page to our American story. Um, so he is thinking about this movie that he really likes, uh, The Grapes of Wrath, which um, is, of course, based on the book by John Steinbeck. Have you ever seen The Grapes of Wrath? Yeah, it's a great movie. And I was in a play version of it in 93. Hmm. And so, Did you wear overalls? Yeah, I mean, it's safe to say that I may have worn a hat and overalls. Backstage before going on, was there someone putting dust on your legs? <laughs> <laughs> like Jackie Chan. That's right. He would always put the dust on. Oh, so you could see the punches? Yeah, so yeah. you could, yeah. <laughs> and like dust on the floor, so when you fell on the floor, it would like, poof. Yep. Um, the Jackie Chan Stunt School, great uh, extra on the Police Story and Police Story 2 oh, really? Criterion Collection. Oh, I bet yeah. it is. Um, so yeah, The Grapes of Wrath, great uh, piece of fiction that talks about the Dust Bowl, uh, people in the Dust Bowl in the 30s who were forced out of their homes, and they yeah. travel to California in order to pick fruit. And um, those who were lucky enough to get a job picking fruit were treated like shit. Mm-hmm. And so it follows the character of Tom Joad, who um, is sort of the, he has he has parents who are older than him who they all come out like they pack all their possessions on top of their car uh, and, and drive out to California when their home is foreclosed upon. Right. And um, he just, the oppression of everyone, all the big bosses who treat all the workers like shit. And he sort of helps everyone to rise up and um, rebel against the bosses who are treating everyone like shit. And um, at the end of the, the spoilers for the Grapes of Wrath, but at the end he um, is on the run because um, I think he, does he murder a guard? God, I don't even remember. But whatever he's doing, he, uh, everyone's after him and, and he has to leave his family. Yeah. And there's a scene at the end where he talks to his mother about how she says, I'm never going to see you again. And he says, anytime you, um, he goes down a long list of like, anytime you see someone who's trying to, you know, think of me, do better, you'll see me in that person. That's right. You know, anytime you hear a baby crying, you'll see me in that person. Yeah. And he's kind of talking about the collective responsibility that we all have to everyone. Yeah. Um, and and that he's gonna be off out there fighting, trying to fight these injustices. Yeah. Um, so he's been thinking about this movie a lot. And so he writes this album, which is not set in the 30s. He's actually setting it in the present day in, the, in 1995 and dealing with people in 1995, but he's using Tom Joad as a character and as sort of a, a metaphor yeah. in a way. And so, yeah, you, you heard about this record and it was kind of hyped as like, hey, this is Nebraska. Yeah. Yeah, that it was going to be the kind of spiritual cousin of Nebraska. Um. You see why, you know, they would promote it that way. It's certainly far more kind of polished than Nebraska was. Yeah, it's so the way they recorded it, um, so 
they all went to like a barn or something like that. And, and Springo, he got, um, he got uh, some of his old uh, players on it. Danny Federici is yeah. in it. Um, Gary Malibur, who we talked about in the last record. Um, drums, of course, we talked about him because he's drumming in the movie Phantom of the Paradise, which did you see in the week that since we... No. <laughs> you no, got to watch it. Not. Uh, Gary Talent plays on a couple of tracks. Um, you have Patty doing Vokes. Just um, on one on song? One no. song. But oh. then Susie Tyrell, who... Um, will be on a lot of Springsteen records. She plays violin uh-huh. and sings backing vocals. Um, and so they all gather in this barn and apparently, so during the day, they record like upbeat songs, which Springo says is like a Western swing kind of thing. Huh. And they have not released those. Hmm. But apparently there's a whole album of these ready to go. God. It's so crazy. There's always another album of stuff. <laughs> but of course, he doesn't feel like he can release that. It's so it's it, maybe he should have mixed the two a bit. Maybe he's not like Prince and Prince is just like, I want to release every single Everything, thing, I put, yeah. even though he has so much stuff in the vaults. Like Bruce is sort of curating everything he does because yeah. he knows the eyes of the world are just so mm-hmm. on him. And so he's throwing away albums left and right because it's not exactly what he wants to say. But anytime the sun goes down, which is normally like once a day, um, he doesn't have lights, I guess. He just like lights candles Hmm. everywhere. And then they record all of these songs. Hmm. Um, That makes sense. Super quiet. And um, Toby Scott, is doing the engineering and the mixing and he's just kind of at the end of the day doing like live mixes yeah. with all these with the intention of, you know, uh, uh, someone to mix the the record a little more conventionally, which I guess they do. And then Springo throws those all away uh-huh. and goes back to these live mixes. And so this album has a very haunting quality to it that Bruce decided, hey, this is what I want instead of doing a more conventional rock sound with these. So you want to hear some of it? Yeah. Here we go. This is the title track, the aforementioned Ghost of Tom Joad by Bruce Springsteen. Men walking along the railroad track Going someplace and there's no going back Highway patrol choppers coming up over each Hot soup on a campfire in the breach Shelter line stretching round the corner Welcome to the new world Family sleeping in their car in the southwest Home, no job, no peace, no rest Well, the highway is alive tonight But nobody's kidding nobody about where it goes I'm sitting down here in the campfire line Searching for the ghost of Tom Joe He pulls a prayer book out of his sleeping Ghost of Tom Joe 
What do we think? I like this song a lot. I don't think I got this record when it came out. This is one I came back to, and I would I heard about it, I think. But I would say that I, I'm probably one of the people who first really heard this song uh, when Rage Against the Machine yeah. did it. Um, they put out the... Oh, so they covered the song before Tom Morello started joining Bruce yeah. Springsteen. Okay. So they, they put it out in 99, I think, um, and then put it on their album um, a few years later. Oh, but, I see. But let's hear the, the a little bit of the, the single version of it. Um, listen to that. It's not a keyboard. As Tom Morello would always say, it's a guitar. There are no keyboards on their records, Adam. It's all guitar. It's all guitar. That doesn't sound like a keyboard. It sounds like a guy doing this to a guitar. So yeah, I, I think this was played on alternative radio quite a bit, and I was like, oh, this is the Bruce Springsteen song? Mm. And I think it made uh, me kind of go like, oh, wow, you could do that with it? Interesting. Yeah. Um, so when I went back and got this record, it was like, oh, wow, it actually sounds better when Springsteen's yeah. doing it and, and not a guy shouting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think w- when I got this album, I was a little disappointed in it and just didn't really get into it or really listen to it that much it was like years later that i started actually getting into it a little bit it's an interesting record because i think um he he's developed this singing style for it which is i don't know what other word to say other than kind of mumbly Mm. and when you listen to these songs on the tom joe tour he's like it's easier to understand what mm. he's saying and so it's easier to pay attention it's it's really one of these albums which for me i had to sit down with a with the lyrics i had to look up the lyrics see and sit down and see mm. what he's saying because it's not apparent really when you're listening to it but when you're reading the lyrics they're beautiful poetry yeah, yeah. um all right well let's go to the next song this is straight time by bruce Bruce. Got out of prison back in 86 And I found a wife Walked the clean and narrow 
trying to stay up and stay alive Got a job rendering It ain't gonna make me rich In the darkness before dinner comes Sometimes I can feel the Cold mind, go tripping across that thin line. Sick of doing straight time. My uncle's at the evening table, makes his living running hot cars. Slips me a hundred dollar bill. Says Charlie, best remember who your friends are. Cold mind, go tripping across that thin line. I'm making straight time. Straight time. About a guy who gets out of jail and has a lot of trouble staying out of jail because everyone around him uh, is trying to tempt him back into the life of crime. That's right, of crime. I love this song. Yeah, this is one of the better, I think, melodies, too, yeah. on the record. Because a lot of the record, we'll hear some of the songs sound like almost traditional folk songs in yeah. their simplicity. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a, gr- a great melody. Um, really nice song. Sort of, this and the next song, Highway 29, are sort of like Nebraska. Totally. like in the In the types of people that he's talking about, it gets a little more political a little later, yeah. I would say. And the melodies and the kind of simplicity of the arrangements also. Yeah. All right, I have th- to say though, I also yeah. you know, also have to say I've always really hated the uh, font used on the cover. It really bums me out. Yeah, it, what what would you call that? It's it's like, very mid nineties. Yeah. All record album uh, covers look yeah. like this. It's like you would see it on MTV a lot too. Totally. Like like it feels like the MTV news font. Yes. <laughs> it does. And I I don't love the painting. All due respect to the artist. I just. Oh, I do not like this. It, I mean, it definitely cover. It definitely gives you a feel. Hey, this is going to be different than yeah. the last few records, you know, where it's like just pictures of Bruce being handsome. Yeah, you know. So that's it's good for that, right? Oh yeah, you got to admit that he's not handsome on this cover. No, and he's he's turning his back completely, almost. Yeah. All right, this is Highway Twenty Nine by Bruce Springsteen. I slipped on his shoe. She was a perfect size seven I said there's no smoking in the stone, man She crossed her legs and then We made some small talk That's where it should have stopped She slipped me a number I put it in my pocket my hand slipped up her skirt Everything slipped my mind In that little roadhouse On Highway 29 Was a small town bike There's that keyboard sound. Yep. Yeah, so this is about a shoe salesman who gets... This is like a little noir movie, a shoe salesman who gets... Um, who waits on a customer who then convinces him to go rob a bank. And it does not go well. Never does. 
there's been a. Have you ever robbed a bank? Uh, this month? Sorry. How many banks have you robbed? This month? Yes. Just three? Huh. It, okay. used, it goes pretty well for me, I think. Yeah, well. Haven't been caught yet. You know what you're doing. <laughs> it's my side hustle. Is robbing banks. <laughs> um, what do we think of... Yeah, I like this song as well. Highway 29. I like this, uh, although although we are getting a little into the simplicity of it, the da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Mm-hmm. Which uh, I don't mind at all. I, yeah. I just generally, Nebraska is a very kind of contained, you know, mm-hmm. subdued album, but it's, to me, f- way, far more exciting than this album. But right, there are a lot of great songs on here, too. All right, let's go to the next song. This is called Youngstown. Fibers. Here in northeast Ohio, back in 1803, James and Danny Heaton found a yard that was lined in yellow creek. They built a blast furnace there along the shore, and they made the cannonball. That helped the Union win the war Here in Youngstown Here in Youngstown My sweet Jenny, I'm sinking down Here, darling, in Youngstown Then my daddy worked the furnace Kept him hotter than hell I come home from now, I'm working my way to Scarford A job that suit the devil as well They'll attack and I'd cook and limestone Fed my children and made my pay Them smokestacks reaching like the arms of God Into a beautiful sky, soot and clay Here in Youngstown Here in Youngstown Sweet Jenny, I'm sinking down Here, darling, in Youngstown Youngstown I really like this, too <laughs> what, what, what do you think? Because I, I feel like I'm just This is a really great one um, yeah. This is, it starts to get very political here uh, This is, it's based on a book called Journey to Nowhere, the Saga of New Underclass Or Saga of the New Underclass Um which sort of the point of the book is that the steel mills, it, like this town, Youngstown, is, is young. <laughs> it's not really the point of it. Oh. <laughs> it's that that America's history is the history of this town, which Got is it. basically the steel mills all closed down and everyone's fucked. And um, that's sort of the... Um, the, the, what, what he was reading at the, one of the things that he was reading at the time. And, um, uh, there's a, a part where they talk about what Hitler couldn't do. They did it for him. Basically the bosses closed down all the steel plants and like what they, like, why did we all go out to and all these wars and fight for these yeah. wars when we come back and what We're Hitler was trying over. Yeah. What Hitler was trying to do, which is basically destroy America all the bosses did exactly for right. him. Um, that's a quote in the book that uh, a former mill worker, uh, Joe Marshall, uh, said. And then when they caught back up with him in 2016, he's uh, uh, 
major Trump supporter. And really? They, and they ask Bruce about that. And he goes, well, it doesn't really surprise me because, you know, all these people have been fucked over and yeah. they're looking for someone who says yeah. they have a solution to that. You know, that's a huge part of it. And Trump's solution was to cut taxes for these guys. Yep. For the people <laughs> for that the people fucked, who everyone, fucked over. everyone over. Yep. Um, By so much. <laughs> yes. Um, so, yeah, Youngstown. Really nice one. Yeah, it's a good song. All right, so uh, let's go to the next song. This is Sinaloa Cowboys, and this is Bruce Springsteen. Well, McGill came from a small town in northern Mexico. He came north with his brother Louis, California three years ago. They crossed at the river levee When Louis was just 16 And found work together In the fields of the San Joaquin They left their homes and family Their father said, my son's one thing You will learn for everything the North it exacts a price in return They worked side by side in the orchards From morning till day was through Doing the work the Juegos wouldn't do So this is uh, about a couple of immigrants who come to the united states um they're called sinaloa cowboys i guess uh which started popping up in california in the late 80s um and this is sort of like almost like a prequel to breaking bad in a way because they start cooking meth yeah it's so funny to hear him rhyme methamphetamine in in with this folk song right um and just a tragic ending to the song uh, where one of the guys dies. And um, yeah, these last few lyrics. Um, On a eucalyptus grove in the dirt, he dug up $10,000, all that they'd saved, kissed his brother's lips and placed him in his grave. Yeah. I mean, one thing about the album is, is that it is like thematically if you really zero in and listen to the lyrics it is a drag (laughs) like all of it yes and it could have used i think he he did put in he put in a couple of more fun songs towards the end but yeah yeah, he's he's really he's reading a lot of stuff which he wants to talk about and a lot of these stories are super tragic stories and he wants to bring attention to them um, all right, this is the next song. This is called The Line by Bruce Springsteen. I got my discharge from Faldo. Took a place on the San Diego County line. Feel funny being a civilian again. It'd been some time. My wife died a year ago I was still trying to find my way back home I went to work for the INS on the line With the California Border Patrol 
Robert Ramirez was a 10-year veteran And we became friends His family was from Guanajuato So the job, it was different for him He said there is death in the deserts and the mountains Hell, they got to the smugglers' rings We send them home, they come right back again Carl is a powerful thing All right, the line about an INS agent whose wife died and then falls in love with someone that they're detaining and he helps them cross the border uh, and... Her brother has drugs taped to his chest, and then his partner catches him but lets them go. But then he spends the rest of his life looking for the woman that he's fallen in love with, Mm. that he helped across the border, and never finds her. I love these story songs, and he's so good at them. I really enjoy them and like this song very much. This is one of those songs for me that melodically is very uh, another very simple, just like, yeah, a little boring, you know, but... But um, when and and so many of these songs are almost like he could just be talking over them mm. and just the the poetry is so beautiful he yeah. could just be like but he's doing these very simple melodies and just really wants you to focus on the lyrics but at the same time it's not mixed where you can really understand the lyrics all that much but if <laughs> sounds like a frustrating situation for you <laughs> well I just had to look them all up that's all. Um, all right, this next song is a, another <laughs> a real bummer. This one is called Balboa Park by Bruce Bean. He lays blanket underneath the freeway As the evening sky grew dark Took a sniff of from his cocaine Headed through Balboa Park With the men in the Mercedes Come nightly to employ In the cool San Diego evening The services of the border boys So this song is about... Um young teenage boys who come to the country and then over the border over the border and then they're uh forced to become sex workers or not forced but they choose to become sex workers not a lot of options um and they don't even really save their money they're just they just buy drugs and sneakers with it and then at the end uh one of them is hit by a car and killed (laughs) yeah this is what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, Adam, I think I understand what you're saying. <laughs> um, but I love that he's making, I mean, he's forcing millions of people to listen to. That's also what I like is that he's talking about really important things intimately. Like yeah. he dug in here. These uh, The last two song, songs were based on articles uh, written by... Um, a journalist, Sebastian Rotella, mm. um, who who chronicled these stories, and it kind of draws from all of these, mm. and um, you know, just obviously really affected him, and he wants to tell these stories. Um, the next song is called "Dry Lightning," and this is this is maybe a little lighter. This is just uh, kind of a mood piece um, <laughs> when <laughs> a good mood piece, Adam. 
um, where he said he wanted to make music that felt like dry lightning. Like when he was on a motorcycle trip, he was like, I want to make a record that seems like this. Um, and mm. this is dry lightning. Threw my robe on in the morning Watch the ring on the stove turn red Stared at my ties into a cup of coffee Pulled on my boots and made me Screen door hanging off its hinges Kept banging me awake all night As I look out the window the only thing inside is dry lightning on the horizon line. It's just dry lightning, and you're on my mind. What do we think of dry lightning, Adam? Yeah, I like it. I mean, yes. Um, Willie Nelson and Emmy Lou Harris do a great, oh, that a makes great cover of it. If we want to hear, yeah, yeah, it's a little more conventionally. There you go. You know, I kind of feel like this album needs a couple of these. I know what you mean, like a little more, like, oh, okay, now we brought in a bigger band. Yeah, just a, you know, I know it's a mean. change of pace. And then I think it would have been a masterpiece that everyone would have. It's it's a tough nuts for. It's not a pleasurable listen no. necessarily, and and the simplicity of some of the songwriting can get a little samey. But yeah. but then if you just hear one of the songs at a time, they yeah. Or have it if you just have it on in the house walking. Yeah. Around, it's beautiful, but you know right. there are a couple of elements holding it back from being a monster. All right, let's listen. In my opinion. Let's listen to the next song. This is The New Timer by Bruce Spears. You're the real sense of Great Depression. 50 years out on the skis. He said, You don't cry. All right, how do you keep? Let my family in Pennsylvania searching for work. I hit the road. I made friends in East Texas in a freight yard. This is another one of those ones to me, which is like, sounds like a old folk song. Yeah, it does. Not very complicated. It's all about a, so it's about two guys who are riding the rails, who are hobos, essentially. Yeah. One of them is older and has been one since the Great Depression. And one of them is the new, what, what was happening at the time, which is the new type of person who was middle class, who became unhoused. Just lost everything. And lost yeah. everything. And then, um, and it, it that's the POV character. And um, this older, 
person kind of shows him the ropes and mm-hmm. shows him how to live. And then he doesn't see him again for a long time, but just sees him on a different train passing him by. And he like calls out his name and then he finds the guy murdered for no reason. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I mean, the crazy thing is, is the way he tells these stories is so great. It's it's a lot like Highway Patrolman on Nebraska. Yeah. Like it's so so really? evocative in the and the language is so incredible. And yeah. if you just read the lyrics, they're really incredible. Yeah. Um but yeah, it's a tough sit. Like straight time as well is a great yeah. story. These are all great stories. Okay, uh this is across the border, the next track. I wonder what this one's story. about. <laughs> this is this is uh the one that was very influenced by Tom Joe, the monologue that he does. Uh-huh. Tonight in my bag is packed Tomorrow I'll walk these tracks That'll lead me across the border Tomorrow my love and I We'll sleep neath all burnt skies Somewhere across the border We'll leave behind my dear Pain and sadness we found here And we'll drink from Bravo's muddy waters Where the sky grows gray and white We'll meet on the other side There across the border For you I build a house I love this song. This is one of the yeah, more beautiful awesome. ones. This is a little glimmer of hope in there about the sort of dreaming about the life yep. that they could have. When you when you view it through the prism of a guy like Tom Joad who's running for his life, yeah. it's maybe a little wistful because it's you don't know that he's ever going to really get there. But, yeah. um, and just him taking on these stories, these like immigrant stories and mid 90s he's like one of the biggest stars in the world it really is mm-hmm. pretty amazing that he would the, the, this is the subject matter he was after uh, musically you have Susie um, Terrell on the violin and she he had her record like 10 or 12 different takes hmm. and then she's like which one are you going to use and he put them all on top of each other oh like, wow she's like really there's like I think I hit some clunkers in there he goes no it sounds great so it's really interesting is that this song yeah this song it's coming up here in a sec um it sounds cool hmm. it's definitely something where she was just like you're just gonna use one of these right we'll keep talking until it gets there okay. but um but yeah, uh, uh, on the tour, he does really beautiful versions of this too. But I, I feel like it almost could could use some of the w- Willie Nelson style yeah. production to to turn it into like a standard in a way. I mean, the kind of arrangements and structure of these songs makes it just makes a lot of sense because his next big project is like the Pete Seeger stuff, right? right? Uh, no, not the next one. No. Oh, it's not. Here's the, here's all the. That sounds great. Sounds like a whole section, like yeah. a string section. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, it's so. This is a really pretty song. Yeah. 
All right, let's go to the penultimate song. Um, and this is called Galveston Bay. And this is by Bruce Springsteen. Fifteen years leaving sun Outside by side with the Americans In the mountains and deltas of Vietnam Seventy-five Saigon fell And he left his command Brought his family to the promised land Seabrook, Texas And the small towns In the Gulf of Mexico It was Delta country And reminded him of home Okay, so it almost feels like Across the Border should be the end of the album. Yeah, it would have been a nice. But I love uh, Best Isn't Good Enough, too. Right. So let's talk about this song. So actually, weirdly enough, the uh, the New York Times just put out an article about this yesterday. Uh, not about the song, about the situation in the song. Oh. Um, sort of following up on everything that happened. This is about... Um, so after the fall of Saigon, Vietnamese... Uh, immigrants came to Texas and um, they took some jobs, whatever jobs they could find, but then they started um, shrimp fishing, hmm. um, which was very much like some of the jobs they had back home and they, they really took to it. And the locals got really mad because they were bringing in way more shrimp than any of them. Yeah, And so uh, they would threaten them. And then one of the Vietnamese immigrants shot uh, and killed um, this guy who was threatening him and was acquitted. Hmm. Um, And they said it was self-defense. And I guess everyone in the town was pissed. And Hmm. they brought in the Ku Klux Klan. Jesus Christ. Uh, And so, like, all this shit goes down. This is in the... Uh, seven, there's there's a documentary called seventies. I think it's the seventies, early seventies, late seventies. There's a documentary called uh, Sea Drift, which came out in 2019, which is about this. Hmm. So the article, the good news of the article, because in this song, it it follows a guy who he gets really mad at the guy who gets acquitted and says he's going to kill him the next time he sees him, and then at the end decides not to do it. Um, I guess Springsteen wrote an early draft where he does kill him and mm. felt like it was false. Like mm. it was just another like shocking ending or yeah, something, yeah. you know? But the good news is like the town has really come to embrace um, all of the Vietnamese, Vietnamese people. Yeah. Um, and they talk about that time and they're like, yeah, that was a bad time, but uh-huh. you know, every, we're all cool now. Everything's good. Huh. Um, but because of overfishing, now there are less shrimp and everyone's making less money and so now the vietnamese immigrants who have been trimping all these years are trying to just do it as long as they can in order to send you know their their kids off to college but even you know even now they're going to be out of luck as well so really interesting song about an interesting subject feels a little out of place as the second to last Hmm. song to me but what do you think yeah i like it it's feel like across the your idea of across the borders as the final song is is interesting too yeah it just is so hopeful and so like would end everything on a nice note okay so this is the song that adam really likes this is my best was never good enough this is the last song by bruce springsteen 
Every cloud has a silver lining Every dog has a day She said Now don't say nothing If you don't have something nice to say And it's tough how they get going When they're going to get tired But feel my best was never good enough Now don't try for a home run, baby If you can get the job done with a hit Okay, I gotta break in because it's a very short song. Yeah. Um, so yeah, upon first listen, a curious song, which is a stringing together a bunch of cliches, including yeah. ones from Forrest Gump. Um, Does he say life is a box of chocolates? Yeah, and stupid is as stupid does. And he you, does? Yeah. He says both of those? Yeah. Oh, and so Forrest funny. Gump just came out a year ago or this year it comes out in 95 came out in 95 okay so I'm sort of like where is he going with this apparently it's based on uh, a really dark crime novel called The Killer Inside Me which is all about a small town sheriff who says all these kind of platitudes and is a really weird creep (laughs) Um, really yeah and uh, uh, I think he Springo turns this into like a relationship song where it's like a person whose significant other is saying all these platitudes, but, Uh but they can't break through to on a real personal level to them, you know? Yeah. Uh, anyway, that's one interpretation of it. Um, uh, to, to me, a strange way to end the album, but it, it, it sounds happy. It does sound happy, which is why I always was like, "Ah, oh, this is nice. This is a nice little song. That's yeah. so funny. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so the ghost of Tom Joad. He also did, uh, uh, during these sessions, did the theme to the movie Dead Man Walking, the yeah. Tim Robbins movie. Um, what what are, do you think overall of, of, the, of the album? So I, I wonder why I don't like it as much as Nebraska. And I think maybe it's a little maybe it's a little bit longer, yeah. so it's wearing out its welcome. Yeah, some of the songs are a little um, musically simple. Yeah, um, but I also think that the stories he's telling are maybe more important than the ones he's telling in Nebraska, which is mm-hmm. all kind of like crime mm-hmm. uh, noir fiction in mm-hmm. a way. Um. It's definitely something you can put on, you know, while you're doing other stuff. And it's a very pleasant listen, Mm -hmm. but also a harrowing listen when you're actually like paying attention to the words. Um, I I semi wish the words were a little easier to understand. That's really stuck in your cry. I know because, because, well, then, you know, he goes out on the Ghost of Tom Joad tour, does his first solo acoustic tour ever. And, a lot of these Tom Joad songs are like great versions where he's yeah. like, you really are, you yeah. know, it's, it's like when we saw him on Broadway, he's really yeah. telling these stories, yeah. you know, and he's just sort of like, mom, kind of mumbling the words yeah. in the background a little bit. Is it, did it, they ever, re- they didn't release a live album of that tour, did they? Well, on, um, brucespringsteen.net, uh, they have five different shows that you can buy. Oh, that's cool. I have three of them. Of um, this tour. Of this tour, oh, yeah. Oh, that's great. So, yeah, the 
the, he comes out basically on this tour and the 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 first show that they've sold from this tour is he does every song from the album it's he also does some nebraska stuff there's like no kind of lightness at all he's sort of telling jokes yeah. and stuff like that by the way he comes out and says like everyone needs to shut the fuck up while i'm playing <laughs> while i'm playing uh if you feel the need to clap along don't uh if whoa. you if you feel like you have to shout out please don't whoa um and he's just doing these like very sparse songs yeah. along with some nebraska songs along with some of the older songs done in very like dour yeah, renditions yeah. of them and then maybe at the end he would throw in like blinded by the light right yeah did he have a piano too so he could no do it, it was just, just guitar. guitar wow um then he does this tour for like a year and a half then he he does a couple of shows in new jersey which i have um in asbury park yeah. and um uh then he sort of is lightened up with it <laughs> like he comes out and does five of his big hits uh-huh. off the off the bat closes with five of his big hits only does maybe like three or four tom jode songs but this is like towards the end of the tour yeah yeah where i think he's kind of figured out like oh maybe this is bummer town yeah, yeah, yeah. like a lot a lot of people the reviews of the record as well as the tour are mixed people are kind of like this is not fun yeah um yeah it's a it's a it's a tough one but it's really good yeah. It's just, you know. It's not a it's not a fun listen, but it's certainly a worthwhile listen. And I think yeah. um a lot of people who don't like Springsteen maybe uh would really like this record uh, and what he's trying to say in it. Um the only single they put out is The Ghost of Tom Joad. And um it does you know, it doesn't do well. And I think even radio programmers are kind of laughing at it like Yeah we're not going to play. Why would we play this? Yeah. Um, but an important record for him to put out, he really wanted to put this out. And then he goes on a solo tour, which he'd always wanted to do. Didn't really know how he was going to work that out and, um, has a great time doing it. And, um, we'll see him do another one down the line. What do we, what do you think about the ghost? See him do another what? Uh, acoustic tour. Yeah. What do you think about ghost of Tom Joad? I like it a lot. It took me a while to, I, I also think it rewards repeat listens. Mm-hmm. It's a subtle. A lot album. of these songs get stuck in your head across the border. Yeah. Uh, dry lightning, straight time. They really can get stuck. Yeah. Earworms. Um, yeah, I, I I like it a lot. I do not like it as much as uh, Nebraska, of course, because that's just sort of an accidental masterpiece. And this one is a really deeply researched, you know, uh album and it was it was very kind of intentional what the sound and the feel of it and everything um so i i, I you know it's great it's kind of stood the test of time i think he should have taken one of those more upbeat songs that they ended up throwing out and done a mixture peppered it with like three of those and then cut two of the it'd be interesting yeah but maybe it they weren't saying what he want <clears throat> what he wanted to say yeah, i don't know probably. but um i'd love to hear all those other songs maybe yeah. he'll put them out Yes, indeed. Well, after the the bummer town of this, Springo decides to make another left turn. He's made one already. Maybe it ends up he ends up right back where he was. Maybe, maybe we'll find out on our next episode 
Adam, I had a good time listening to this with you. Absolutely. Me too. Absolutely. We'll see you on our next episode. And until then, we hope that you found what you're looking for. Bye.